So the question we were all asking this offseason, Tyree Kill or Jalen Waddle? Turns out the answer is just yes. Welcome into the Pretend GM. I am Alfredo Brown with Dr. Vignesh Doraswamy, my co-host. Now you're wondering, who the heck are these guys? What is this show? Why is this on football, guys? Well, the Pretend GM is just, it's 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 our brainchild. It's our baby. This is going to be a brand new show coming to you every single Monday. We're going to be in audio version and on YouTube. And you're like, why do I care who you guys are? Like, what, what do you get people as hosts, right? Well, I'm a former college football scout, and I've been working in the fantasy football industry for quite some time now. And Vig, you are a doctor, a learned I am. doctor. You took the hypocritical oath. Is that, <laughs> that correct? Uh, is Hippocratic. That Hippocratic. What's the difference? Uh, I think one is named after Hippocrates ancient greek guy and uh hypocritical as you know is uh, not a great thing to be associated with all right well i didn't study much history but either way so today we're talking all about the the week two action we're reacting to this information that's kind of like the tough thing right now right at the beginning of these seasons we want to just take this information that we've been given dissect it we're trying to come up with the best conclusions that we can because we really don't know the identities of these teams who they are what they do well and we're, we're trying to piece this together so we're going to start off today vig if you're ready to go looking at our takeaways from week two and Man, we talked about my guys, Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle, the Miami Dolphins. As you can see, I'm wearing my Miami Dolphins jersey, okay? If you're watching on YouTube, you see it. If you're listening, go check us out on YouTube. Make sure to subscribe to the Football Guys channel on YouTube and watch all these episodes there. I'm I'm not a big, like, jersey guy. This was the most exciting Miami Dolphins game I've ever seen in, in my life. And I, I never really got to watch Marino. I became a Dolphins fan after him. But Tua Tagovailoa, 36 of 50, 469 yards and six Ooh. touchdowns. This was just everything that we have wanted to see from Miami and Mike McDaniel. Look, I got to clarify. And it's not that this is the best game you've ever seen because every other quarterback you've had has been pretty garbage. Kind of a fact. Tua was just absolutely bonkers today. So Tyree Kill. And Jalen Waddle just absolutely went off. It's only the second duo ever in the Super Bowl era. And the last one was from like Packers in 1942 to have over 170 yards. And Tyreek had like 190 and two touchdowns each. An absolute monster real game performance, but an absolutely monster 40 plus PPR point performance from two wide receivers on the same squad. This is unreal. Yeah, when I tell you the range of emotions that we as Dolphins fans went through, you're there going into halftime like, all right, well, I guess the two experiment is over. And then you finish the game. Oh, my gosh, two is the greatest quarterback we have ever had. He is the new Marino. Like everyone was just so in. It's it's hard. Like, I really want to know the numbers of how many quarterbacks have gone out to throw for 450 plus yards, six touchdowns, and then just not actually been good in the NFL. So I'm, I'm very curious to see where this goes for Tua. I think that this now puts him in the conversation as a starting quarterback with what the Miami Dolphins are doing. And I mean that starting quarterback for fantasy wise, but what the Miami Dolphins are doing is they are passing this ball a lot. Obviously today, this was going to be a fast paced game. We kind of knew that and they were behind, they were trailing quite a bit for most of the game really. But even last week against the Patriots, the Miami Dolphins were first in the league in passing rate over expectations. So this is something that if two is going to be efficient, Jalen Waddell and Tyreek Hill are going to continue to make plays and they're going to pass this ball a lot. All of a sudden, that Miami Dolphins passing game is something that you could actually use in fantasy. Vig, do you have two talking about low on any of your rosters? Uh, I do in super flex leagues, but honestly, at this point, he might end up being my QB one. I'm very excited. Man, I, I am just I am jacked up. On, oh, I'm so excited after that Dolphins win. And another guy who just, man, he made fantasy managers really excited today. And you know what? 
it's not like it's the first time it's happening. It's Amon Ross St. Brown, and he needs to be treated like a top 12 wide receiver at this point. I just Absolutely. don't think that there's 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 nothing else left for him to do. I think that a lot of people just keep looking back at the draft capital and or, or like someone that was I was sitting with today watching the games. He says, yeah, I just I don't I don't know that he's ever going to be a real true wide receiver one. He doesn't have the measurables. And mm. I'm like, dude, what else does he have to do? You look at what he's done in this season so far in two games, 17 receptions on 24 targets, 180 yards and three touchdowns. He has had eight straight games of at least 11 targets at eight receptions. Let that sink in. Eight straight games of at least 11 targets and eight receptions. That's the kind of stuff that we get excited about if a player does it once. Vig, I'm really excited about Amon Ross St. Brown. Look, and you know, you can pat yourself on the back for this. We have liked Amon Ross St. Brown since before the draft. We loved him after his landing spot. And these eight games you talk about, that, that goes into last season. And people want to throw all these numbers like, oh, you know, these guys were injured and they were out. And it's all these vacated targets. What now? What do you say now? So there's there's DJ Shark. There's Hawkins. They got everybody they need. This dude is averaging 25.6 PPR points over the last eight games. This is an absolutely monstrous number. Look, Justin Jefferson probably one of the best, if not the best wide receiver in the game right now. He has never had an eight game peak of that many fantasy points. It's just absolutely bonkers. You want to know whether like hallowed grounds he's on. He's a third player in history to do this. The other two, Antonio Brown and Michael Thomas, who was like a back-to-back wide receiver one. Amon Ross St. Brown is just really playing well. He's in a system that works well for him. And he's making it really hard for defensive backs to cover. Maybe he doesn't have the measurements or measurables or whatever you want to call it. It doesn't matter. He's excellent. Hail to the sun god. Start him everywhere. And you know what? He's kind of reminding me of one of the guys you mentioned there, Michael Thomas. But I do think he, like, he he's kind of in that same archetype of a guy who was never truly the fastest or the biggest, but he's a good route runner, good hands. And he was always able to find space. And uh, I think the difference was, you know, those other two guys you mentioned, Antonio Brown and, and Michael Thomas, they had some really good quarterbacks, both yeah. Hall of Fame quarterbacks throwing them the ball. The difference here is Jared Goff. And it's almost like we're all just sitting around waiting, wondering, when is it going to happen that he's going to finally fall off, right? And even if he does, this, this is happen. the conclusion. This is the conclusion that we have to make, though. Is like, even if he does, how far is the real fall off? Like, what are we talking about here? We're talking about a guy that's maybe going to go from 11 targets to nine targets, eight targets. Like, what is it for him that would take him out of that range of a guy that you have to start every single week? And not just start, but he's potentially your wide receiver one on your team. And I think that's how he needs to be looked at going forward. Because we're seeing, just like you said, this Detroit Lions team, they have all their starters back. Yeah, they have Jared Goff out there slinging the ball, but it hasn't really mattered. Even with DJ Chark and DeAndre Swift, TJ Hawkinson, you know, Jamison Williams can come back. And I love Jamison Williams, but Amonra St. Brown, he's going to get his. And that's just, that has been the, the new norm for the Detroit Lions. And I think that's what we're going to see going forward. Now, another team that has a weird kind of norm that's just, honestly, it surprised me. It surprised me. And it's the Jacksonville Jaguars running back situation. It's a full on committee. And this is not what any of us wanted. A lot of us were out here, myself included drafting Travis Etienne as a guy who should be a high-end running back two with some running back one upside. And a lot of us saw a guy that could be another DeAndre Swift, another Alvin Kamara, and get that passing work. But James Robinson, in this game, 63% of the running back snaps, getting all of the goal line work, a lot of the early down work. Travis Etienne, just 37% of those snaps. He got a lot of the passing down work, but it didn't really matter because despite having all that passing down work, he only got targeted three times to James Robinson's two. Vig, you 
are a Jaguars <sighs> fan, you know this team inside and out. As a Travis Etienne fantasy manager, how worried should I be? Or should we all just be officially worried about Travis Etienne at this point? You know, I, I don't think so. And first, I got to take a second to just talk about James Robinson because we've talked about him a lot. And he's probably the first running back to come back from an Achilles injury and be truly fantasy relevant. And that it cannot be understated. So all you folks who drafted Travis Etienne, I think you made the right call with the data that you had. But James Robinson is doing really unprecedented stuff right now. And it's only been two games. That being said, do you panic with Travis Etienne? In game one, he was wide open and overthrown by Trevor Lawrence in the end zone once. And he sort of had a dropped pass that could have been another touchdown, right? If that happened, this is a completely different story that we're talking about. They're like, oh, Travis Etienne, 20 points last week. It's just, it's hard to say. I think the data isn't there yet. We're two games in. We have to see what can happen. You know, Travis Etienne still had some good receptions. He still did okay. He wasn't the worst, but this running back by committee situation is great for Jacks fans because it's going to cause a lot of trouble and a lot of mismatches, hopefully, for like opposing teams. But I think it's a little early, but honestly, at where Travis Etienne was going, I am worried that he will not perform to his ADP this year. Yeah, I think the only glimmer of hope that I still have here for Travis Etienne and, and the Jaguars is that they're not necessarily a really good team that's going to be leading a lot of games. So that could lead towards a lot more of those passing situations. And that was still, that was the reason, like that was the shining light that led us all towards ETN that he could be this guy that's catching passes while the Jaguars are, are trailing. And I still think that's going to happen. I, st I still think like that's the road that we are still trending down. Can James Robinson, I mean, you're, you're the expert here. Can James Robinson, can, can he handle this kind of workload going through the season of getting, you know, 65% of the running share? I, I personally don't know. Vig, should there be any concern with the James Robinson managers who are now really excited? No, zero, zero. I mean, the, wow, the concern would confident. have been injury. The, the, the concern would have been for an injury like this, that you take a while to get back into like good game shape, or you have like the psychological ish injury almost of, Oh my God, can I do this again? It is hard to come back from an Achilles injury. You can talk like elite level athletes. And they've said this, this dude is unreal. I don't have an answer. I love it. He's every, he's, you know, I just think James Robinson, we should stop thinking about stats and the, and, and precedent and stuff. He was undrafted, was like a top five PPR running back as a as a rookie. Just, I, I, I don't have words anymore. I'm just very excited to be a James Robinson fan, a Jags fan. I if you're if you have James Robinson on your squad, just keep him. Don't trade him. He's just absolutely outstanding. Dude, James Robinson. J Rob is just built different. You know, like I hear that all the time from the kids. J Rob or, or not J Rob. They say like pl players are built different. This dude yeah. is, man. Like, I have never been so happy to be wrong about a player. Like, we were so Same. worried about the Achilles, and I'm just so happy to see this guy who truly came out of nowhere to take over that backfield in Jacksonville and then just keep doing it despite all these hurdles he's had to overcome. Really happy for him. Let's get to another set of players that, man, it's just it's going to be a confusing position group. And it's the Jets wide receiver core. And Garrett Wilson here in week two, he had a great coming out party today. 14 targets. He had a 35% target share. And, you know, the Jets just keep passing that ball. In week one, they passed that ball 59 times. Joe Flacco was still slinging it today. My problem, Vig, I just, I can't trust a Jets skill player. Garrett Wilson had the great week now. Elijah Moore was the reported wide receiver one all offseason. Corey Davis also had a good game today. Tyler Conklin's getting involved. These running backs are getting involved. And then what? We've got a couple more weeks of Joe of the Joe Flacco show. And mm -hmm. then it's it's back to Zach Wilson. I'm 
I'm still just so skeptical skeptical of the Jets and their skill players. It, it really worries me. All right, loyal listeners, I hear you. You hear Alfredo talk about the Jets, and you're like he's a he's a Dolphins fan. I can't trust anything he says. He hates the Jets. He's always going to hate true. the Jets. But the process is true. Like I really can't trust any of these guys on a week to week basis. Like Carter, Brees Hall. I mean, nothing. And you know, like Alfredo and I, if you either follow us on Twitter or if you've seen us on other shows or even older versions of the Pretend GM, we've talked about this. And and Brees Hall was just never someone we were high on for a bunch of different reasons. And yes, a touchdown sort of saved his like fantasy point total a little bit last week, but he played 20 snaps out of a possible 70, less than a third of the snaps. Sorry, Alfredo, there's mathematics. If you don't know, Alfredo hates math, but less than a third of the snaps and he only had eight touches. And again, it was like the receiving touchdown sort of saves his day. He he's talented. We're not saying he isn't, but can you trust him to be your RB one, two, three? I mean, Ty Johnson took over 75% of third downs for this squad. I just, it's not a Dolphins hate the Jets thing. I don't think that if we're going to say volume is king, and this is how we decide who's going to be fantasy relevant, I just can't trust a Jets skill player either. Not until I see some semblance of consistency. And like you said, even then, are we going to get consistency? Are we going to go back? Like, is like Zach Wilson going to start when this experiment ends? Or is Joe Flacco going to win them games? And they're like, you know what? We don't want to mess with the good thing. We'll keep with the the guy that has Super Bowl credentials. I don't know. Oh, no. I don't know about that. <laughs> I, you you reached too far. You went too far with that. No. I, I think that they'll just crash and burn with Zach Wilson. But they're, they're going to go that route. I don't, I don't see any type of situation where they're like, well, Joe Flacco really seems like the guy. Let's keep... No, that's not what I meant. I just meant like, do they maybe like wait a little bit and really let Wilson heal? Like, is there, there's a like urgency to bring him back any sooner than they needed to. And if Flacco's like playing well, you can let him play another game or so if he's leading them to victories. You know, that's what I was getting at. Yeah, I think we're still one week away from Joe Flacco looking really bad the week before. So we can we can chill out on that. This was the Cleveland Browns. Like, that's not a good football team. They barely beat Jacoby Brissett. Like, we could we could, you know, take a chillaxative for the moment and just a chillaxative. OK, yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a medicinal prescription. I'm you're not the only doctor on the show. What's up, everybody? I want to take this second to just transition right from that and remind you all. When you're listening to this podcast in the audio form, leave a review wherever you're listening, Spotify, Apple, Google, doesn't matter where it is. Just go and leave a quick review. Let us know what you think of the show. You know, we always appreciate five stars. Vig's a, Vig's a doctor. He's got medical bills to pay. Not medical <laughs> bills. you got student loans to pay. I mean, come on. This, this guy, he needs the love. We need to make sure this show is doing well. And if you're on YouTube, smash that like and subscribe button. And we're going to continue to give you this great content every week here on the Football Guys YouTube channel. All right, Vega, let's get back into these takeaways from week two. And you know what? This is starting to, I'm becoming a believer slowly but surely. But, you know, Dollar Store Debo, Curtis Samuel, he might need to be a weekly starter. This is wild. Like Carson Wentz really seems to like him. He's got 20 targets in two games. He's leading the team in targets. He's getting rushing work each game. Even if it's just one carry or two, he makes it work. Curtis Samuel did a lot of that in Ohio State and always had the chops to be a good rusher. And Curtis Samuel and Jahan Dotson, both players looking good. And it's just been putting a big dent in Terry McLaurin's fantasy value. Vig, what have you been seeing or what are your thoughts on Curtis Samuel? Because I know you, you've you had a lot to talk about with this uh, commander's passing offense. 
Yeah, and you know, I've I've long been a fan. I have him rostered in all sorts of places. I stuck with him through the injury because I wasn't too worried about it. But he has that skill set, right? He was always sort of that gadget guy that could be utilized in a lot of different ways. And this is not a great commander's team. They're gonna have their their game script is gonna dictate that they pass the ball a lot. Quick question for you. Do you know who leads the league in touchdown passes right now? It's Carson oh, Wentz. I, I'm not even giving you a chance to answer. No, no, no. You know what? He is it's tied some, with Tua Tunga by throw. Well, yes, what's yes, up? He's well, he's tied, but still he leads it. But yes, I knew you would get that. But, you know, he this is a guy who's throwing the ball a lot, throwing touchdowns a lot, and he really likes Curtis Samuel. The guy is talented. Um, they're going to throw the ball a lot. I just think, are, is the team going to be great? Probably not. But is he going to be a good value for fantasy? Absolutely. He's not even rostered in every league. We'll talk about waivers later. But yeah, the dude, I mean, he's getting rushing work. They're throwing him the ball. And like you said, him and Jahan Dotson are really, really hurting Terry McLaurin a someone who a lot of people drafted pretty darn early, hoping for that, you know, almost wide receiver one upside. I think in the long term, I'm still a little bit worried. I, I think that at some point, the Washington commanders, you know, clock strikes midnight and they're going to turn into a pumpkin. <laughs> but for now, for yeah. now, like Scott, Scott Turner is, he's doing some, actually that's the offensive coordinator for the Washington commanders. And he's doing some creative stuff in the ways that he's using these players. And, you know, just like clockwork, man, Carson Wentz looks good to start the season. <laughs> and then he's going to slowly just combust into a ball of gas by the time we hit week 10. And like that's just who he is, a, just a big redheaded ball of gas that's going to explode <laughs> for the commanders. And then people are going to be screaming for Sam Howell. But while we're waiting for that to happen, just enjoy the ride. We've got some good players out here that are making good plays. And I, that's kind of just as simple as fantasy football comes down to is, you know, find the players that are making plays on a weekly basis. It's not a season long game. It is a weekly game to try to win. And if these guys are doing it now, that's awesome. By the way, a little side note there about the commanders. If he is available out in your waiver wire somewhere, you'd be surprised how many leagues this is happening. I would go and just stash Brian Robinson somewhere. If you have the availability on IR, if you can put him at the end of your bench somewhere, because if this offense continues to be this good, you might want to have a running back that gets a piece of that and could get some of those goal line carries. That's all I'm going to say about that. I'm not over overwhelmingly excited about him, but that could be a nice little stash for later on in the season, especially with Antonio Gibson's you know, previous health concerns that he's had and how often he's been injured. Now we're going to go to a, another player who, man, this is this is one of those guys that it's good stash for the season, or at least we thought. He's already been good here in yeah. week two, and it's Chris Olave showing some serious, serious upside. Vig, this man got 14 targets today and 365 air yards. He got a year's worth of air yards. See what I did there? 365? Oh, I'm I good at math, I, too. I, excellent. Yeah. Yeah, I'm awesome at math. <laughs> Suck it, Vig. So when yeah. I when I mentioned air yards, you're the smart one in the in the group. What exactly does that mean for all the people that are listening? All right, and so you know, there's lots of extra terms you'll hear. People use a lot of lexicon and terminology in fantasy football. What? Wait a second. They you love to throw you extra can't words. Just say, you can't just say that people use terms and then throw out the word lexicon. What even but is it's the same, Isn't same that thing. a car? Isn't that like a <laughs> Nissan lexicon or something? No, I don't I do not think that's enough. Why would like, you it, say such a ridiculous word on this episode because, one of this podcast? People have you just turned us it. off. They Maybe, have pressed the thumbs down button on YouTube. We are full of, of bad puns and bad math. That's what we do. If you've heard us before, that's what we do. But anyway, the other thing we really do is we focus on teaching and sort of education because anyone can just give you, these are my rankings, follow my rankings. I'm really good, which is great too, but don't you kind of want to learn the process too? And so Except air yards is not a, really good. 
Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, the, the last two they're, they're above average. So. Are they? They're okay. <laughs> All right. So Keep going. the air yards statistic sort of measures the total distance that the ball travels past the line of scrimmage before it's caught. So basically, how long is the ball in the air past line of scrimmage before it's caught? So, you know, lots of air yards, a lot of, you know, deeper passes or having many or at least lots of passes that are going a further distance away. The thing you kind of like to see with a, a wide receiver. Um, and this is just bonkers. I was reading it somewhere else. The other kind of folks like in in recent history who have had 365 or somewhere near that are like Julio Jones, um, Marquise Brown, AJ Green, like these guys at their peak were the kind of folks getting this sort of air yard, Michael Thomas, even, I think. So this is just a great number. And it kind of tells you what you know. If you see the game, doesn't matter if he's got broken bones in his spine. Jameis Winston's just airing it out. His average depth of target, which is another term from the lexicon, you can tell us what that means, Alfredo, was 26 yards for Olave. What's this average depth of target? People love to talk about this A dot. Yeah, so average depth of target is uh, essentially wherever the wide receiver is, how deep down the field they are when they're being targeted by the quarterback, okay? And so that doesn't necessarily take into consideration just the reception. It's going to take into consideration every single target that is aimed at this wide receiver. And Chris Olave, we knew that this is what he was good at coming out of Ohio State. He is great at getting loose deep. Like, that is exactly what he does, man. That's what he was so strong at at Ohio State. It worked out well with the quarterbacks that he had, Justin Fields, who was a fantastic deep ball passer, and, uh, and C.J. Stroud, if I, yeah, I got that correct, Vig, right? You're an Ohio State guy. Uh, yeah, so we should clarify. We're both FIU guys. I just happen to work in, at Ohio State, live in Columbus now, and that is not why we're talking about Garrett Wilson and Curtis Samuel and Chris Olave. Sure, yeah, I'm sure that's Ohio exactly State what all... A lot of great Ohio State wide receivers just happen to be fantasy relevant. And as the show comes to a screeching halt, because no one cares about our personal lives. Listen, Chris Olave, if he is available in your leagues, he should be a priority waiver. Uh, if he's not if he's in your leagues, if he's available in your league, he should be a priority waiver ad. Um, I don't know if there's going to be many leagues where he is available. Uh, I've had him stashed at the end of my bench just because we knew it. this is the kind of optimism that we should have around Chris Olave. You know, Jameis Winston has been this guy who loves the deep ball. He typically tends to target the outside of the field. He's not big on a middle of the field kind of guy. So I was really surprised when Jarvis Landry had so many targets in week mm -hmm. one. And things kind of course corrected this week where Chris Olave coming out with 14 targets in that game is just it's pretty outstanding. It was I was watching the clips of those games following along in red zone. And man, Jameis was just pulling the Olave's down there somewhere and he would just close his eyes and chuck it, man. Like he was the Jameis of old. I know he had, I believe three interceptions. So he was just chucking that thing and trying to, that was a really, really ugly game for as much passing mm -hmm. as the saints had and the Buccaneers had. It was three, three for the longest time. And Vic, it was horrendous. So I would be looking for Chris Olave because I think there's some really good potential down the line. And we're already seeing that target volume here early in his rookie season. Now, a group of players that I am not too fond of the Patriots running backs. Oh, this has just man. been a rule of mine. It's always been a rule of mine that you cannot trust the Patriots running back situation. If Bill Belichick is the coach there, I don't want any piece of that backfield big. All right. Again, I hear you. Fredo's a Dolphins fan. He hates the Jets. He hates the Patriots. He's going to hate on these players, but let's be honest. Have we ever been able to reliably trust the Patriots running back situation. Belichick just loves his committee stuff. And this isn't just us making things up. Here's the data. Today, Damian Harris had 15 carries. Ramondre Stevenson had nine carries. 
They were targeted twice each in the passing game. And yes, Harris became slightly fantasy relevant because he got the touchdown. But honestly, Ramondre Stevenson was on the field more. Like, I just, when we talk about how Alfredo and I approach fantasy, we try to mitigate risk as much as possible. And risks and gambles, they might work for like DFS and, you know, they might work in best ball. But right now, I don't want the guy who's got a low floor and a moderate ceiling at best. And that's what both of these guys are. Harris is a low floor play. Stevenson is a low floor play and their ceilings aren't that crazy high either. So I'm with you. I don't want anything to do with the Patriots running back situation. Yeah, there's nothing exciting there. I mean, it just it really seemed like Damian Harris is still the one a I know that Ramondre was out there, right? But it's it's different of like being the actor that's in the play versus the actor that has lines. And that that was kind of what it was for Damian Harris, that despite not being out there as often as Ramondre Stevenson, he was the actor reading lines. Whereas Ramondre was kind of the guy that he was part of the scenery. Like he did things. He was there. He was available. But it's just, man, I really want to stay away from this Patriots backfield. So this is something actually to consider with Damian Harris having a good week, getting that touchdown. I know that the running back spot is limited, but this might be a guy that I'd be trying to move on from. Maybe sell high a guy like Damian Harris mm -hmm. while you can and just not have to deal with that Patriots running back situation at all for the rest of the year. Now, Vic, a guy that we just don't want to deal with in any sorts, and I have no words for this. I'm just going to let you talk, but Kenny Galladay is toast. He should not be rostered in any league, in any format. In the one team that I have him, I am dropping him, and I might even just leave that bench spot empty just out of spite because Kenny Galladay, I think, is just absolute toast at this point. I just don't understand. He is signed on this massive deal, and yes, he has Daniel Jones throwing the ball, but that, you know... He can still throw the ball. There is something Sterling Shepard came know. back. Sterling Shepard came exactly. back from Achilles injury. Like, what are we doing? I don't understand. Like, okay, he, let me say this stuff, and then I'll tell you what I don't understand. We have been waiting for more than a year for Kenny Galladay to be some semblance of relevance, right? Some semblance. I, I don't need him to be great, but something. You know, we, we gave Allen Robinson a year. and Okay, he got a touchdown today. I just don't know what Kenny Galladay is doing. Right. He, he it's like he's Kenny Holiday. I had to throw a bad pun in there at least. But he's on some holiday. He played two snaps. It's not like he's injured. It's not like he's not a talented guy. There is there something the Giants know that we don't? Is he injured? There's, is like is something he played two snaps. He's seventh on their like practically on their depth chart. There's something point. weird going on with the New York Giants and Brian Dable because we, we saw this with Kadarius Tony the week before. He didn't really play much. Sterling mm -hmm. Shepard is the guy that's going out there. And Richie James, Daniel Bellinger. Yeah. Like, we're getting players. That, David Sills. David Sills, <laughs> the people that I was sitting with who yeah. were watching the game, they're like, oh, who's that guy? Who's <laughs> who's that new? David, I've never heard of them. And I was just like, oh, yeah, he's like some, yeah. some like backup from West Virginia years ago. But like, really, like, that's what we've gotten to with the New York Giants. So it's just, it's such a weird situation, but the Giants are winning. And I think that as long as they keep winning, Brian Dable is going to have the opportunity yeah. to do whatever he wants in that team. He can bench anyone he wants. He can start anyone he wants. He can do anything he wants. If they're undefeated and they keep winning, that okay, stuff's not going to They're matter. not going to be undefeated. Let's not get too ahead of Well, I'm just they're saying at this point, they're 2-0. and If they go to 3-0 and and Kenny Galladay <laughs> plays zero snaps, no one cares. He's going to be know, an afterthought. Fair. He's just going to be Thanosed into dust and like He's that's it. He's like, already an afterthought. Uh, yeah. Like, okay. Oh, what's, what's less crazy. than an afterthought? What's, what's, like what's beyond thought. that? 
a note thought. You just don't think about it. You're supposed to be no. the smarter person out of us. Yeah, it's, a no, it's, a no, it's a no. It's a no thought. That's what he is. Kenny right, is well, on holiday and he is a no thought. So who's next, Alfredo? What's our next takeaway? Going from a no thought to a guy that we were all thinking about a lot this offseason. Damian Pierce rebounded this week. Kinda, <laughs> kind of. Okay, I'll take that. I put, that. I put like a, a harsh kind of in there, and it was more so because we saw the involvement from him. Was he totally fantasy relevant? Not really, but there's involvement there that we're seeing. Okay, he had a 63% snap share, which is, listen, we always talk about all of these running back rooms being in a 60-40 snap share, and it's nice to see a rookie who doesn't have super high draft capital be on the positive side of that, be over that 60% snap share threshold just by week two. And I think this was something he got 15 rush attempts, which is, I think that's going to be like kind of a, I don't want to mm-hmm. say a ceiling for him, but I think that's in the area of what we can expect, like a 12 to 15 rush attempts type thing for Damian Pierce. And this Texans team, while not being good, they're staying competitive in games. So I can't imagine that they'll trail in too many games. Uh, I, I think they're going to be one of those teams that just kind of always hangs around. But what stood out to me so much was that of those 15 rush attempts, guess what? That was all the rush attempts that the Houston Texans had this week. No one else ran the ball except for Jeff Driscoll, who came in for this. Like he, They keep doing this thing where he comes in at quarterback and then just runs on short yardage scenarios. But that was it. Damian Pierce is their runner. He looked good. Vig, I don't know if you saw it, but that Texans offensive line was struggling today. No, I saw enough. You win this game at the line of scrimmage. You have all the skilled players. You say which one you win at the line of scrimmage. And though Pierce may not have had the greatest numbers, it's because the dude was getting hit in the backfield all the time, right? Like you, he was actually the fact that he got some yards per carry actually surprised me. I saw a few plays where like he takes a hit and he actually gets you a couple yards on what should have been a loss. And so I know you said that the Texans are like are still in the game, and for sure they're going to play the Jags twice this year. They're going to play the Colts again, the Titans twice. They may be in a lot of games, so maybe the game script doesn't quite, you know, need them to use their running back as much. And I, it's hard to say. This is week two. Rex Burkhead was, you know, utilized a lot more last week, so we'll kind of have to see what happens. But we know that Pierce is talented. We've seen what he can do. But this team, you know, that that offensive line is just not great for Damian Pierce. But we'll see. We'll see. I I like the talent that he has. Maybe for dynasty purposes, of course, he's rostered everywhere. If he's not, grab him. It's probably impossible to find him in dynasty. But if he is, grab him. But for redraft, you know, he might still be available and he might be worth a stash in some deeper leagues. Yeah, I well, I don't know that he's going to be available anywhere after all the hype. Maybe someone got really overzealous lots of folks, and cut him. Lots of folks after week one. Him. Lots of I have like picked him up in three leagues after he was dropped. So that's I just think that wild I just think me. a lot of people dropped him. Some people play with like smaller bitches. So you never know, but he might be available. All right, well, we'll hurry through this last one here, and it's Drake London. He is he looks like a legit starter for fantasy football vig i got to catch some of his some of his uh just fantastic plays for the atlanta falcons and man he he looks good yeah i i agree i mean um we have to thank pff as always as many of us do for our data but it looks like he was targeted 11 times this week it was targeted seven times last week so numbers look pretty good for someone who might have a pretty decent floor um he looks pretty healthy he had this like beautiful little play where he you know ran jumped over the defender uh, and we know that he's really talented, you know, so I'm feeling pretty excited about what he could do. Where do you, where do you think he could potentially be at the end of this year? Yeah, I think the scary thing for everyone was Marcus Mariota and he's been, okay. I don't want to say, I don't want to say good, but like he has been surprisingly adequate 
for <laughs> the Atlanta Falcons and for fantasy football. I think the, the the scary thing has been that Kyle Pitts is just he's like shrinking by the day. And so I wonder how much of that is Mariota. I wonder how much of that is Pitts. I wonder how much of that is London. I wonder how much of that is the defense taking it taking him away and leaving London open. And so these are the things that we have to consider going forward is that while London may not be the best talent on their team, because that's that's clearly Pitts, no matter what mm-hmm. team he's on. But London might be the guy that's just kind of always going to be open. And I think that eventually things the tide is going to turn a little bit and both of these guys are going to have to be the the focal points of defenses and i think that's going to open things up for both of them a little bit uh if if drake london if you have him in a three wide receiver league he should be starting that's that's just it he should be one of your three wide receivers you're starting or you're putting him in your flex because he's knocking on the door of being that top 24 wide receiver Week in and week out with volume like this, the ability that he has, and honestly, just the fact that Marcus Mariota has been solid and the Falcons can actually get in scoring position. I'm perfectly fine with keeping Drake London just kind of perennially in my top 36. I use that incorrectly, didn't I? Perennially is like annually, right? Or is that just always? All the time, all the time. You used it pretty well. Man, and I was so smart for like a second and I second guessed myself. Let's get to our rehab roundup. Vig, we look at Trey Lance, who, oh. man, this one was a heartbreaker for a lot of fantasy managers out there who drafted Trey Lance, knowing that he has this rushing upside. We're now worried because of this ankle injury. Yeah. So, I mean, I saw the play after at best, it was going to be one of those like ugly high ankle sprains, but let's, I, let's not speculate. We, it seems like we have an answer here. Adam Schefter says that he's out for the season and he's probably going to have surgery. So um, we'll know more details eventually. And for all the injuries on our little rehab roundup, you know, I'll, I'll always say, don't panic. I'm always going to say like, don't speculate too much. This is a player out there who like can't do what they really love. And you know, some of what they do is for us, but this one just hits hard because Trey Lance is so beloved by like, everyone even outside of the 49ers community but he's out for the year and so potentially you know jimmy g is going to be starting and he may be available on the on the waiver wire in like some deeper leagues or i don't think he's gonna be great but at this point trey lance's season seems like it's done yeah i don't think that jimmy garoppolo becomes fantasy relevant just because he really never has been so i don't see why that just all of a sudden takes turn now but you know uh, from the trey lance side of it whether you're looking at dynasty or whatever what worries me something that dan orlovsky said of espn and this three years of not playing extended football for for trey lance he's had five starts in three years and so this is another thing that just could set him back and we saw how how much that ankle injury the fracture changed dak prescott and his mobility so you start to wonder how much something like that changes trey lance going forward so it really it stinks to see that but vig uh you know we'll kind of keep track of that after the surgery and you know the rehab and how that goes let's take a look at another name here it's jerry judy who left the game with a shoulder injury it was his right shoulder uh towards the end of the first quarter he did not return and Cortland sutton kind of took over but you know, talk to me about Jerry Judy, what we should be expecting. I saw the video. It's really hard to know what happened. If this is a sprain, if it's something worse again, don't panic. Don't speculate too much. Wait till there's some, like there is no need to make an immediate move, right? Like don't drop him. Don't try to sell him high. Don't try to like get rid of him and try to take like a, you know, a third round draft pick or whatever you might get. Just wait it out. You know, he's probably going to get an MRI tomorrow. We'll know more in the coming days. Um, it didn't look like something that should keep him out too too long potentially, but the fact that he didn't come back into the game is a, is a touch worrisome. But again, don't panic. Let's see what happens with Jerry Judy. 
All right, and so let's take a look at these final two players that are in our rehab roundup. Damian Harris with a knee injury. Um, who you, you suspect that he's fine. We won't really know anything till Wednesday, but then James Connor, James Connor, this is another one where it's unclear. Can you give us a little more clarity on James Connor who left the game today with an ankle injury? Well, can I just go back to Damian Harris for like 10 seconds? Go. This post game interview. So he had a little bit of a limp, right? But he was like, fine. He stayed to talk to like the press and he says, I'm fine, dog. Look at me. So I'm not too worried about Damian Harris. Yeah, because players are anything. never wrong about their injuries. JJ Dobbins. Yeah, but no, but when they're like, well, we said that J.K. Dobbins would not be back early. But J.K. Dobbins said that he and Jesus were hanging out in the backfield and that he was going to be ready for week one. So, no, I don't believe players when they get excited like this. Yeah, Uh, that's fair. But Damian Harris, like, was walking afterwards and he looked fine. And, like, if you have a serious injury, you're not sitting there waiting to talk to the press. But anyway, let's get to James Conner. Again, there will be lots of speculation around. And even though I said I don't like to speculate – it sort of looks like the guy sprained his ankle. Maybe is it one of those dreaded high ankle sprains? It's hard to say. Again, don't panic. Hold on to him. We'll know more in the coming days. We'll talk about what this might mean for the waiver wire because there's potential that Connor misses some time. But, you know, if it really is one of those ankle sprains anywhere from like one week to possibly four to five weeks, even depending on how bad it is. But overall, it didn't look like anything that was so serious that you're going to miss James Connor for the rest of the year. All right, so let's take a look at the top waiver wire ads for week three as we bring the show to a close. And we're going to run through these fast, just giving you four names that we think are worth taking a look at in your waiver wire. And we segued perfectly into this. Eno Benjamin, running back for the Arizona Cardinals. If James Conner has to miss time, Eno Benjamin becomes a really fun play. Listen, he's been a guy that's already been on the precipice of double-digit fantasy points each week. He's being used in the passing game, back-to-back games with four targets out of the backfield. And if Conner misses time, Eno Benjamin, slots right into that starting running back role for the Arizona Cardinals, which in theory should have a good offense. So I really like Eno Benjamin off the waiver wire. Vig, get us to our second player. I want to pick someone off the off your team, the Dolphins. Raheem Mostert, uh, running back from the Miami Dolphins. You know, the guy's got, he had three receptions, got almost 30 yards. So that's six PPR points there. Another 51 yards on the ground. But most importantly, you got to get the context. This dude is getting all of the goal line work and is really capping what Chase Edmonds can do and really hurting his ceiling. And he's even getting like 50 to 60% of the early down work too. So Ray Mostert, someone you can really grab, especially knowing that Chase Edmonds, you know, he hasn't ever really been healthy for an entire season. And that's sort of the nature of being a running back. That's not the, not a knock on Chase Edmonds. So Raheem Mostert might be a good waiver wire pickup for this week. And he's still available in plenty of redraft leagues. Uh, Raheem Colonel Mostert. I love him. All right. My player, my second one here for the waiver wire, Gerald Everett tight end for Los Angeles chargers. And this one, listen, there's probably going to be a couple people going after him this week because this is now two weeks in a row of good performances from Gerald Everett. And I just love the fact that he's got Justin Herbert throwing him the ball, a guy who is an MVP candidate that chargers offense looks good. I'm a little worried about Justin Herbert and the ribs actually Vig, really quick. What do you think about Justin Herbert and his ribs? That's something that I do really want us to talk about. So with that, he's got the fracture in his cartilage, correct? Yeah. And, you know, this is just going to be really uncomfortable for him. It's not like they're going to do any major surgery. It will heal. It'll take time. Getting back to play and throwing and the kind of twisting you do might make it harder to heal. So it's going to be it's it's going to be up to the team and how bad this really is. Um, and it, it you saw him. He played through the pain. That may have made things a little worse. I think it's a little early. We'll have to see what the injury reports show this week and what the Chargers decide to do with Herbert. We know the talent that he can be. But again, it's just a touch early right now for us to know. Okay, so Gerald Everett, what I like is 10 targets in week two. Highest target share on the team in week one. 
the guy's got talent. He was my tight end 17 going into the season. I think I was still a little bit too low on him considering how bad the tight end position is. And this isn't so much of like a glowing revelation that Gerald Everett's amazing. It's just the tight end position kind of sucks. All right, Vic, give us our last player and let's hurry up and get out of here. All right, Jahan Dotson, still available in a ton of leagues. This is the wide receiver for the commanders. We already talked about him. Something really surprising. The commanders are passing the ball really well. And current touchdown leaders in the league as far as quarterbacks are Carson Wentz and Tua Tungavailoa. I bet none of y'all had that. But again, he's doing well. 300 plus passing yards and three or more touchdowns in both of his starts there for the commander. So Dotson, he's just he's available in tons of leagues. And again, he's a great person to try to pick up on your waiver wire. Vic, I can't believe it. We did it. Episode one is in the books. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening to this or watching it. You know, wherever you're getting your podcast or you're watching here on YouTube, every Monday we're going to be coming to you with the Pretend GM presented by Football Guys. For myself, for Dr. Vig, thank you so much for listening and watching. Adios. Adios.